0: Welcome to the City Reach Baptist podcast. If you would like more information about the life of our church, please go to our website at cityreach.com.au or like us on Facebook. We hope you enjoy this message. Guys, why don't you take a seat? Uh, my name's Nick Van ruth, I uh, I go to CityReach in the morning uh, and visit here uh, every so often uh, I go in the morning with my wife, uh, Emily, and my uh, young 10-month-old, ten ten not 10-year-old, 10-month-old son, Josh. Oh, he's about the size of a 10-year-old by now. Um, uh, and yeah, and I also work for a City Bible Forum. So we help people uh, live their identity on a mission in the workplace. So that's what I do. Uh, but right now, I'm here to share with you guys, continuing in our series of life being a battlefield, uh, we've explored how life has its ups and downs, its mountain peaks and its valleys, and how um, uh, God meets us in our weakness, and he leads us to life in its fullness. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at finding hope uh, in, the, in the unknown. Last week, Carl spoke about uh, overcoming addiction. So both of those looking at uh, getting through some of the harder parts of life. Tonight, we're going to look at, a, at the other side of the question, of how do we find God's best for my life? It's a really big question. I want to narrow it down to how do we make good decisions, and in that, finding God's best for our lives. Now, I think there's four types of decisions we face. We face all kinds of decisions every day. Uh, The first one is uh, decisions of opportunity. You're presented with an opportunity and in that, you need to decide whether to take it or or how and things like that. So it might be you're you're offered an opportunity to preach uh, in the evening, and you might decide whether or not uh, that'll be a good thing to do. I decided it would, uh, in my case. Um, uh, you might for uh, it might be career related. You might be offered a job uh, with uh, great opportunities. Uh, my dad um, and my family travelled. Uh, the world, following my, the different opportunities dad was presented with uh, in Holland and Canada, and that's where my accent comes just to answer that lingering question. Uh, or it might be um, the opportunity of um, someone, you like someone and they like you back, and then there's the question of, uh, in my case, should I uh, ask Emily to marry me? Decisions like that. Uh, there's also decisions that are situational. You might find yourself... In a difficult situation, and you have to decide how am I going to get out of that, or you're facing a challenge and you need to decide what you're going to do about it. It might be a conflict that you're in with someone, and you need to decide and work out how am I going to overcome this conflict with the person. A number of years ago, um, I had, uh, I developed a cataract in my left eye, so the the, um, lens became milky and I wasn't able to see uh, my left eye. I could still see fine out of my right, uh, but I was given the the choice. um, I had to decide whether I was going to do anything about fixing my eye, and it was actually a very costly procedure, so that was a difficult decision to make um, that was situational for me. Uh, Often, we're required to make decisions uh, for people that we're responsible for, Uh, If you're in a family or um, a church in ministry or in a business or or at work, you're responsible for other people and you're responsible for other people's things. Uh, So when I was working as an engineer, uh, we would do designs and I was making decisions about um, different designs of pipelines or uh, manufacturing processes, how that would work. Uh, For for a little Josh, um, at one point we're going to have to decide where are we going to send to school? Um, uh, what are we going to provide for him? You know, those kind of questions. And we make decisions when, uh, that uh, affect the lives of other people. And finally, we make decisions in response to needs that are felt. Pastor Jeff mentioned the cross out the back. Um, I've written a name on that. And uh, there's a need of someone who needs uh, to hear the truth about Jesus. And I've got to decide, in a sense, what am I going to do about that? There's other needs as well. There's um, often uh, a homeless person uh, who, who sleeps or, or s- stays outside um, our office at work. And, and in a sense, I need to decide, how am I going to respond to that need? Uh, there might be friends or family members in need. How do we respond to need? So all kinds of different decisions that were faced, uh, four kinds in particular. So how do we navigate and, and make these decisions uh, in the best way, to find God's best for our lives. Now, there's 2 I'll, I'll talk about two options tonight. The first option is you just do something, the Nike way. Just do it. Now, you may have heard um, advice like this before. Just do something. As long as you're not disobeying any commandments, as long as you're not hurting anyone, uh, it doesn't matter. Just do something. Now, there's truth to that. Uh, there's truth that we, we can't just procrastinate decisions and just put things off and never do anything. We need to do something. But does it matter what we do, uh, as long as it doesn't lead us into sin or harm ourselves or others? Does it matter what we decide? In one sense, it doesn't matter. Uh, in one sense, it doesn't matter because we can't ruin God's plans. It's not like uh, you know, I decided to do engineering, and God went, "Oh, hang on, Nick. I wanted you to be a doctor, or I wanted you to be something else. Oh, you've ruined—like, of course not. Of course not. We can't ruin God's plans. Uh, he, we can't make decisions that would surprise God. And of course, we know that our salvation, our place with God, is not dependent on our, our works, is not dependent on the decisions uh, we make, but on the work that God did. So, in that sense, it doesn't matter." But I'd say in every other sense, it really does matter. Uh, does God really want us to float through life? Uh, just just making the decisions that are most convenient for us at the time, uh, keeping watch that we don't uh, step outside uh, his law. Does, doesn't God have so much more planned for us? It's like if we were to go out on the soccer field, right? And we don't we don't use our hands, we only use our feet. Uh, we um, don't trip anyone else up and we start on our side of the pitch and that's all we do. Are we really playing a good game if that's all we do? No, we've got to strategize, we've got to play hard, we've got to play well with our teammates uh, to play our best game. So just making sure that we just do something, it doesn't matter as long as we're not breaking the law. That's like, the law is like the base level of living. If we want to make good decisions and live God's best, uh, then we've got to live a different way. It's got to be a different way, and I've called that the wisdom way. Now, before we dig into this, why don't you quickly turn to the person next to you and ask, what makes someone wise? Perhaps think of someone you consider wise. Uh, Don't share uh, their name, but what is it about them that makes you consider them wise? I'll give you a minute. All right. Uh, one of the early Christian writers, uh, uh, the Apostle Paul, said, in response to the mercy God has shown us, we're to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. We're to live our whole lives for Him. And Paul uh, tells us how we're to determine God's will. He says in Romans 12 uh, 2, he says, don't conform any longer. To the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is—His good, uh, good, pleasing, and perfect will. Um, now, I want to clarify. Uh, sorry. Um, what he means? What Paul means? Uh, By renewing of your mind. Part of it and a large part of it is living uh, wisely. Now, I'm not here to share this message because I'm a wise person. It's not like uh, Pastor Timon went out and asked, who's the wisest person in City Reach and then landed on me. Uh, That's definitely not the case. I imagine I have a lot more gray hairs if there was. Uh, But what I wanna, what I want the authority to be tonight is God's word, right? considering wisdom, considering all things. So if you were to open up the Bible uh, to look at the topic of wisdom, where would you turn? Where would you turn? Proverbs. Oh, I heard it. That's right. We had a hint from the reading earlier today. So why don't you take your Bibles out and open up to page 527. Open up to the book of Proverbs. And while you're doing that, I'll quickly share three tips for reading the book of Proverbs. The first one, it's helpful to know that the first nine chapters form the introduction to Proverbs as the book as a whole. Uh, In that, Solomon is talking to his son, uh, um, commending and defending wisdom, uh, sharing why wisdom is a really important thing and why we should pursue it and flee uh, folly. The second thing to know The rest of the book is a collection of Proverbs uh, from around the ancient Near East. Uh, It's important to know that they are Proverbs, not promises. They are observations of how the world works under God, and they're not necessarily always going to work out how uh, they say, but the purpose of Proverbs are to think about them, uh, read them again and again, uh, mull over them, reflect on them, and then apply them To your situation. And the third tip is don't just read Proverbs. Proverbs uh, has great wisdom uh, in the ideal. If you want to read um, uh, Job, you'll find out wisdom in the real life, wisdom through suffering. Uh, If you want to learn uh, what the point of life is, you read Ecclesiastes. You read Psalms uh, to know how to praise God in every Situation. So to obtain wisdom, we don't just read Proverbs, read uh, all of Scripture, but particularly all of the wisdom literature. Uh, but don't worry, tonight we will be uh, focusing on Proverbs uh, mostly, so um, don't get too worried about how ambitious I'm being tonight. So as we read uh, these first seven verses, I want to ask two questions. The first is, what is wisdom? What is wisdom? And that's really hard to pin down. It's hard to define what wisdom is in a way that encompasses everything. It's like holding water in your hands, like you're not going to be able to contain it all. Uh, so instead of giving out one clear-cut definition, uh, I want to uh, describe what wisdom is and build a picture uh, based on what it's not and what it is. So the first is wisdom is not just about what we think, it's about how we live. Um. As we look at these first uh, few verses, uh, it's this, these first seven verses are like the introduction of the introduction, uh, and uh, Solomon very helpfully tells us what the purpose of the book is. It's really nice uh, when authors do that, because uh, then it doesn't leave us guessing what, why they wrote the book. Uh, and in this case, Solomon writes to impart wisdom, and he uses a whole range of words uh, to describe that. He, use, he uses words related to thought, you know, wisdom, understanding words of insight, uh, knowledge, uh, increase in learning, understanding, uh, understanding a proverb and a saying. So he, he uses words related to thinking. He also uses words related to living, instruction, wise dealing, prudence, discretion. Now, I'm not going to define every word, but it'd be helpful to uh, zoom in on the word for wisdom and see how it's used elsewhere in the Bible. If you have a look at the screen, there's a number of verses. Hopefully, you can read them. Uh, The first one is from Exodus 35, and that's describing the situation where uh, some some craftsmen are uh, uh, building and, and decorating, ornating the temple of God. And the word used to describe uh, their skill is the same word used to just use for wisdom. Uh, in Jeremiah ten nine, uh, Jeremiah is speaking of the goldsmith and their skill in uh, in creating uh, those gold pieces. And I, I really enjoy Psalm one hundred and twenty seven, uh, talking about when when um, sailors forsake God, they meet their wits end. And literally, what it's saying is that they lose. Skill, they lose their wisdom. They lose the ability to to sail their ship. So uh, the word for wisdom is the same word used for skill. And that's how wisdom is understood in the book of Proverbs. It's not just about brains or thinking. It's not just about morals. It's not just a framework to use to make a decision. It's the skill of navigating life uh, under God and every part of our life. And we see these work, we see this worked out first in these verses and then the rest of the book. So I've already mentioned the different words used and the different aspects of wisdom, but throughout the rest of the book there's advice given on a whole range of topics. There's issues related to morality, morality like, like being righteous and pure and avoiding sin and, uh, and being truthful. But there's also a whole range of advice on really practical topics, like how to be a good parent, being a good friend, uh, how, to, how, to use, well, how we can use our speech and the value of hard work. Wisdom is not just about our thinking... It's about how we live. It's not just about the big uh, fork in the road decisions in life. It's about the small things too. It's a a skill of living well under God in all parts of our life. Now, the second thing, uh, wisdom is not about us. It's about God. Now, I don't know what you thought when you first heard the title of tonight's talk, Finding God's Best for Your Life, uh, I'll admit, when I first heard it, I was a bit worried, thinking, am I going to have to uh, share a, a really feel-good message and pump everyone's tires tonight? Uh, but the more, you know, e- even though I was critical about it, the more I thought about it, the more I realized how good, how exceptionally good we are and making that phrase about us. How can I get my best out of God? And... um. There's a, a, a secular psychologist uh, called Hugh and He writes, he wrote a, a book called The Good Life, um, uh, which is quite a bestseller, quite famous. Um, and he, in that, he talks about how uh, we're caught up in a utopia complex. And that is that we're caught up chasing the perfect life. We want the perfect hair. We want the perfect car. We want the perfect partner, the perfect house, the perfect life. And in that, uh, we make decisions to chase that perfection for ourselves. We, we make decisions to serve us, like where we should live, what job we should take, whether to take an opportunity or not, how to escape a conflict so that we end up on top. Subconsciously and consciously, we make it all about us. Now, we can even do this with, while making good uh, moral Christian decisions. For about five years, I was trying to discern um, uh, whether it was time I should leave my job as an engineer and go to Bible college and uh, train to be a pastor. And um, uh, for about five years, it was it was plaguing me. Uh, you know, should I? Shouldn't I? I was trying to make a decision. I was acutely aware of what was motivating me to go into that. Like the two main motivations. Uh, earlier on. The first was, I found work, uh, I enjoyed my work, but I found it tedious and hard, and I knew I would enjoy Bible college a lot more. And the second motivator is, I knew I'd be pleasing a lot of people if I were to take that step. So that that decision uh, was more, at that point, was more about me than it was about following God's plan and purpose. And I thank God that, that he kept me in secular work for the time he did. And in that, um, he used me as an influence in my workplace and he taught me uh, the value of hard work. And, in, and I, th- I believe it was in his time, uh, not my time, uh, that I took those steps to, to go to train, uh, into training, uh, training of training God's people. But what that taught me was that you can make good decisions with bad motives, and it's, it's secretly all about you, um, and let alone the selfish decisions that are explicitly all about us. Hugh says uh, that this thinking and decision-making pulls us further and further away from that per- perfect utopia that we're striving towards. And even though we've got this, you know, amazingly technological age people are just getting more less and less happy and as christians we we know there's more to it we know that this is actually backwards trying to serve ourselves rather than serving our god you know god created us he created us not to serve our purposes but to serve his purposes you know, it's like uh, if Jason, who's on guitar today, if he were to grab out his guitar uh, and then in front of us he'd, he'd restring it, uh, he'd tune it, he'd uh, wipe down the face and then put the guitar away and just leave it in his case forever. That would not be using the guitar to what it was designed for. The guitar sounds best when he's playing it, when he plays the song that it was created for. Wisdom is not using God to find our best uh, but biblical wisdom is finding how we can be used for God's best and that's why the proverb says fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom now in uh, the book of Job we'll take a quick detour uh, for a second in the book of Job we looked at this in real life groups a couple of weeks ago uh, the main character, Job, is subject to immense suffering uh, that is not his fault. His fault, and his friends, and Job tried to uh, make sense of why God would allow such evil to happen to a good man. And at the climax of the dialogue, God steps in and speaks to Job, and He says, "Where were you, in Job 38? Where were you when I created the world?" Where were you when I put the stars in the sky and I put the sea and the land and the mountains in their place? Where were you? And he goes on this amazing uh, description of God's power and his might and his dominion over all things. And through that, uh, and that, that demonstrates what the fear of the Lord means, is understanding who God is in our place in his world. And I think, I think Job got that and that's why through all that suffering job was faithful to god he remained wise because he understood who god was and knew his place in god's world job feared god and lived through those trials submitting to god's purposes because he knew that god god's purposes god had a plan and purpose that was so much greater than what job understood the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We see this in each type of decision I mentioned earlier. Understanding who God is, uh, is how we begin to live our best life. Uh, you know, when we face with an opportunity, uh, we're, we're not to think, how could this best serve me? But how could it best serve God? You know, perhaps, you know, when you're buying a home, uh, rather than thinking, what would serve me most, but how could I uh, purchase a home or find somewhere to stay that would serve God most? In a situation, um, where, where, when we're in a difficult situation, it's not how can I get through so that I'm on top and I get out uh, unscathed, but how could I maintain, maintain integrity through this? How can I glorify God through this trial? How I trust God that God is in control in this situation, in this trial, in this challenge? When we're responsible uh, for others who we have authority over, do we recognize the authority that's over us? How can we lead others for the benefit of God and the benefit of them rather than the benefit of ourselves? And we, when we see a need, how can we uh, meet that need as God sees it? He tells us to seek righteousness, justice, and equality. Uh, How can we creatively meet the needs that we see all around around us in faith that God will provide? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, I think we see this most clearly in the person of Jesus. Jesus. Uh, you think if, if anyone were to live the best life, it would be the perfect man, the very son of God himself. And so let's, let's go through some of the criteria. Did God, sorry, did Jesus have a great job? Well, no. He gave up his family business to become a roaming teacher. Did Jesus have a great home? Well, no. He, uh, Jesus himself said, foxes have, birds have nests, foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Did Jesus have good friends? Well, not really. When at his time of greatest need, his friends abandoned him. Did Jesus have a great life? Well, he gave it up. He, he died a, a horrible, horrible death. Uh, and in leading into that, he said to his Father in heaven, not my will, but your will be done. He laid down his life to serve God's purpose to save the world. And it's for that very reason God raised him from the dead, and through him we have life. Jesus is the epitome of wisdom. Because he lived, he died, he rose again to serve God's purpose, not his own. So wisdom is not just a framework to work through to make decisions. Now, they are very, very helpful and important when you're faced with a big decision. Uh, using a framework of some kind is very, very helpful. But it's not complete without a posture of submission to God's will. We need to have a, a posture of submission to God's will in every aspect of life, the big and the small. You know, that might mean deciding to stay in your job even though it's a toxic environment because you might be God's light in that situation. It might mean that you don't marry that person just yet because you've got some growing to do first. It might mean that you choose a career that doesn't demand as much time so that you can invest in your family and protect yourself from materialism or careerism. It might mean uh, in order to use your life to serve God's best. It means giving up your life. So thinking practically, uh, that's what wisdom is. But how do we obtain wisdom? How do we get and grow in wisdom? And I would say Proverbs uh, gives us three ways that we grow in wisdom. The first one is practice Uh, Proverbs 14.8 says, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. If wisdom is a skill to be used in all of life, then it's a skill to be practiced in the small things just as much as the big things. So making wise decisions in the small things of life, like how you treat your friends, what you eat for breakfast, uh, when you choose to do your homework, what time you leave work at the end of the day, what you say to each other, how you begin your day. These things make a world of difference. So perhaps uh, this week you can open up the book of Proverbs and find a proverb, read it, read it again. I'll read it throughout the day and reflect on it and have a go applying it to your situation. These things might seem small, but it's these decisions that we practice wisdom in. And having practiced wisdom in the small things, we're prepared to use wisdom in the bigger things. Wisdom is a skill to practice, so practice it. The second way we gain wisdom is through discipleship. I've already mentioned Proverbs 1-9, and even the book as a whole, is written from the perspective of a father imparting wisdom to his son. And uh, Proverbs 4, verse 1-2 says, Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. Wisdom is shared through teaching. And wisdom, the skill of living life under God is passed on in a community like this through discipleship as we get alongside each other and live life together in community. So whatever stage you're in, in high school, university, working, in ministry, uh, do you have a mentor, someone that you can turn to to ask questions uh, of the bigger things in life and the small things too? I myself uh, have benefited greatly uh, from the mentors I've had in my life, in high school, at university, uh, at work. When I was at work, um, I found uh, a Christian senior engineer um, who we met monthly over breakfast, and we talked about how to live wisely at work in an engineering, in, in my particular context. That was invaluable for me learning from him and seeing how he used wisdom, how he lived uh, in submission to God in his context and talking that through about how that could work in my context as well. I'm sure if you were to contact Timon or Carl or one of the pastors or elders or the church office and ask, can you help me find a mentor, they would love to help you out. So if that's something you want to pursue uh, go talk to Timon or contact the office, and uh, they will make that happen. Finally, and I think most importantly, wisdom comes from God. For the Lord, Proverbs 2.6, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. We gain wisdom by engaging with God. We've already said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. As we engage with God and understand who he is, we gain wisdom. We do that through worship, through his word, and through prayer. Uh, in the New Testament, James uh, chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, uh, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. If we pray for wisdom, God will give it to us. And He does that by revealing who He is. And the more we understand God's person and God's character, uh, the more we understand our place in His world, uh, the more we fear God, and the more we become wise. So, wisdom is not just something we draw on when we need it, it's a discipline, a practice, a skill to use in every part of our lives. We use it to determine what opportunities to take. We use it to navigate through difficult situations. We use it to lead others well. And we use it uh, to take every opportunity to be generous towards others. Uh, To finish up, and as the band comes up um, for our next song, let me address a question I'm sure uh, some of you have. You might be thinking, Nick, this is great, uh, great to be talking about wisdom, but I uh, just keep making stupid decisions. I'm not wise. And can I be honest with you, as I've uh, prepared this message and, and as, I, as I've unpacked Proverbs and been reading through that, I've, I've felt how foolish I am. Uh, my foolishness uh, in the small things and the big things that have been exposed to me And I feel like a fool. That's why I particularly think it's important that our authority comes from Scripture and not from this fool here. Uh, But to us fools in the the room, uh, I've got two things uh, to say. The first is that there is grace for us. Even when we stuff up and do stupid things, there is grace for us. Uh, Titus uh, 3 says, uh, "'For at one time we too were foolish,' Disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Right? We were foolish, seeking after our own uh, plans and purposes instead of God's. But when the kindness of, and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of our righteous works, right? Not because we reformed and started making the right decisions, but because of His mercy, he saved us by the washing of rebirth and renewal by His Holy Spirit, whom He pours on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. The gospel enables wise living because by God's Spirit, He renews us and gives us a new life to live under God. Even, no matter how foolish we've been and how foolish we are now, uh, God, there is grace for us. And the second thing, is that there is growth for us as well. I was recently reflecting with a friend how much uh, getting married uh, exposes your sin. And let me tell you, having a child uh, exposes your selfishness and your sin uh, all the more. Uh, But it doesn't just expose your sin. You also grow through it under God. And it's the same as we unpack uh, the Scripture and as we unpack wisdom Our foolishness is exposed, uh, but we grow. You know, God loves us where we are, but he loves us not to leave us there. So as I've been reading Proverbs, I felt like a fool, but I think of how um, uh, God's just not exposed that, but he's growing me through it, Uh, through his word and through the counsel of others. uh, I'm growing on my wisdom journey. Uh, that I might find how to use my life to best serve God, not the other way around. Uh, We're going to sing a song in a moment uh, that we walk by faith, trusting in in God, in Jesus, uh, in all our ways. And so why don't you stand? uh, And before we do that, let me pray. God, we thank you for your word uh, that guides us in every season uh, through times of prosperity and opportunity and also challenge and trials. Uh, God, we pray for wisdom. Uh, We pray that you would give each one of us here uh, your wisdom, a a heart, a posture of submission to you. And we pray that you would help us use that in every part of our life because every part of our life matters to you in the small things, in the big things. Uh, As we, straight up even now is what we're thinking and as we go out to dinner tonight or whatever Lord as we go to work tomorrow God we pray you would help us be wise and live our lives in fear of you knowing our place in your world and God we pray that you would use us for your glory and through that we would find our best life God we pray for you your wisdom uh, to fill us tonight and for the rest of our days. In Jesus' name, amen.